The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is a look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Greg Oops Pearson filling in for Scott Seidenberg tonight. You just saw Scott on the nightcap, did a terrific job there. Now it's my turn to take a little bit of a look at everything that we've got with regards to college basketball for this upcoming Thursday. Actually, I have a little bit of live basketball as we do this as well. Going to be taking a look at the NHL and NBA cards as well as We've got a great trio of guests in about 30 minutes. Claudia Belfato, she does a great job over there at Win Sports. She's going to be joining us. We're going to take a little bit of a look at the NHL with her. We're also going to be talking some NHL with Minty Betts over there at Yahoo Sports. That's coming up if you're out there on the East Coast at 2.30 a.m. Eastern. If you're out there on the West Coast, that is going to be 11.30 p.m. Claudia in 30 minutes. That's 10.30 Pacific and if you wound up having Washington State, you did not wind up getting there with them. I will touch on that in a second. And then also at 3.15 a.m. Eastern, if you're out here on the West Coast, 12.15 a.m. Pacific, Matt Landis. We're going to be talking some NFL features with him. So we are all locked and loaded with regards to guests on this show. And this game just went final. Washington State and Washington. It was Washington who got the job done with regards to winning outright, but not on the spread. This is one that closed in a lot of places right around 9.5. Washington State, they win by kind of 78-70. to 70. So if you want to take the over, this one wound up getting there by a pretty wide margin. And I'll be touching upon in just a second just how good overs wound up doing in college basketball on Wednesday. But certainly has been interesting to take a look at this Washington State team. Much was expected out of them, and... They've been falling a little bit short this year, not going to lie. A solid win in this one, but just unable to get a cover. And it's another home team that does not wind up coming through, as we've been noticing this a lot in college basketball. Home teams in general have just not been able to get the job done against the spread on Wednesday. They wind up going 28-33-3 against the spread. So they wind up covering right around 46% of games. You've been noticing that underdogs have been doing relatively solid. They wound up covering right around 52.5% of games on Wednesday. But what has really been glaring to me has been just these overs. On what we wound up getting on Wednesday, 38 overs and 26 unders. If you're looking at the last seven days in college basketball, because we just wound up running through what we wound up seeing on Wednesday, last seven days, 203 overs and 169 unders. That is a 54.5% clip to the over. Typically, you find a little bit more value on unders than 
I'm actually very excited that we're seeing this binge of overs because it means that these totals, they're probably going to be going up a little bit more when you wind up getting into neutral courts when it comes to conference tournaments. Typically, it turns into a whole bunch of rock fights. So I do think they're going to get some solid value there. Probably going to see a little bit more value on home underdogs moving forward as well. You were hearing it in the final segment of the nightcap that there are some, shall we say, but ugly home underdogs are going to be hitting the floor on Thursday. But right now, home underdogs over the last seven days in college basketball, 56-75 against the spread. That's a 44.4% clip. That is not getting the job done. And in that time span as well, road teams, 200, 161, and 14 against the spread. So hitting just below 55.5%. So We've really seen these home teams be able to take hold, and you wind up seeing some very interesting action in college basketball. One says, I think that it's very important to take t- context into account when it comes to some of these teams that wind up winning and losing, trying to gauge regression. I personally was on this team when it came to what we wound up getting in college basketball on Wednesday, and boy, oh boy, thank goodness I was on them in this one because this was a very, very hairy game. Providence versus Xavier. Not one overtime, not two overtimes, but three overtimes as you've also wound up having this game extended a little bit further because there was a delay because there was a slippery court as well. So this game pretty much had everything. Providence gets a job done in triple overtime by kind of 99 to 92. They always say that a cat has nine lives. Well, I think a fryer might have more than nine lives because they used up quite a few of these in their overtimes. In the second overtime, they were up by three points with a few seconds left to go. They don't foul. Paul Scruggs winds up hitting a three, so you wind up having a big, giant calamity out there when it came to that one. And then when it came to what you were able to get just in this game in general, Xavier winds up winning the rebound battle, and it was up to Jared Bynum, a guy that last year, I kid you not, shot sub-25% from three-point range. He came in off the bench and he was able to provide the team 25-plus points. He's now shooting over 45% from three-point range this season. So, I mean, we have been seeing this Providence team be able to really be able to pull out these games late. Now, when it comes to is a team lucky, is a team good, what I think could be the case is you sort of take a look at it and you sort of take a 50-50 approach. Yes, Providence is getting very lucky late in games. I think even the biggest of Providence fans will be admitting that, you know what, this is a team that they've been able to get the breaks. As they always say, though, as well, you create your own luck. You create your own breaks as well. And this is a team that is very well coached. Under Ed Cooley, one of the best in the business at being able to get his teams to be able to pull through late in games. So I do think that you've got to be taking this 50-50 approach. If you wind up getting into a late game spot with Providence, you feel pretty good. But at the same time, you at the same time want to be taking a look at it and be like, man, if you wind up continuing to do this, it's probably going to nip you in the butt. I will use this reference right here to try to make a little bit more light of it. It's like if you wind up driving through rush hour traffic in order to try to get to work, let's say that, you have a little bit of a later shift. You have to drive through a like 5 o'clock p.m. rush hour sort of shift. There are some drivers that they sort of know the holes. They sort of know how you're able to maneuver traffic a little bit better than others. But at the same time, if you continue to leave at the very, very last second, you're bound to run into, say, a car accident, a little bit heavier than normal traffic where 
you're not able to outwit people and be able to get to work on time. That's right now Providence. Providence knows how to be able to maneuver through traffic. They're cutting it close right now, though. That is for sure, as you've got a Providence team that wanted to pulling this one out by going 14 of 29 from three-point range. So that was certainly a real fascinating game. What else I think is really interesting from what we wound up seeing in college basketball on Wednesday is the fact that Duke wound up getting the job done outright, but they were unable to cover the spread. 65 to 61 was the final in this game as Paul Boncaro just did not wind up having a good game. He wound up entering into the night right around 28-1 to 1 at DraftKings for odds to be able to win the wooden award. He did not wind up helping out his cause in this one. 37 minutes, 8 points on 2 of 13 shooting. And it's just not going to be able to cut it. Really, it was Mark Williams who was able to do a solid job for the team. He wound up having 10 boards. He was able to chip in their 4 blocks as well. I think with Virginia, they're proving to be a relatively pesky team. They're just a team that... They're not going to be able to cut it for the NCAA tournament unless if they pretty much winning wind up winning the ACC tournament. But if they were to be able to do, to, I do think that they would have a little bit of feistiness in them. You wind up seeing Kia Clark do a nice job going 6 of 11 from three-point range with 25 points. Just a Virginia team that they're not the same on defense this year as they have been in the past. As Duke wound up having... In this game, something like only 54, 55 possessions. It was really slowed down to a crawl, but they were able to average right around 1.15, 1.2-ish points on a per-possession basis as well. So, I mean, it's a Virginia team that they're not necessarily the same as they have been in the past. What else I think is going to be really interesting when it comes to the player of the year race is, in my opinion, the top two are Oscar Shibway and Johnny Davis. You want to see both wind up hitting the hardwood on Wednesday Johnny Davis wound up having a relatively pedestrian performance and did not wind up helping out his candidacy against Minnesota. Wisconsin barely able to get the job done in this one, 68 to 67 in the game, which they wound up Wisconsin shooting 51.1% from the floor, but Johnny Davis wasn't necessarily a big part of that. He wound up having 12 points, nine rebounds, three assists, four turnovers. Meanwhile, Tyler Waller wound up putting up a double-double and he wound up getting 20 points and seven rebounds out of the Kroll. Stephen Kroll was able to do a solid job in this one. So Wisconsin, they were able to get the outright win, but they were unable to get a cover. And a lot of places, you wound up seeing this total right around 135. So depending on what number you wound up getting, you either got to push or you wound up either getting there or you wound up not getting there. And then the other guy that we're looking at with regards to the Wooded Award, that'd be Oscar Sheeway entering into the day at DraftKings. You were finding them right around plus 150. Kentucky, they get the job done. They are unable to get a cover, though, by kind of 71 to 66. By the way, DK Nation pick in this on this day was the under in Kentucky versus LSU. So I keep rolling with those. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. But Oscar Sheeway, 17 points and 16 rebounds to go along with three blocks. Now, the one thing that is working against Oscar Sheeway is that he doesn't necessarily have the possibility of being able to have those shining moments. He's not going to be hitting like some buzzer beater from way downtown or anything like that. And we know that voters, they sometimes are a little bit irrational. They love just those awesome moments like that. They're a little bit simple-minded. It's always a case in which when you wind up taking odds on an award, you always have to be keeping that in mind. But you take a look at Oscar Shibuya, and I'm right now counting down the list. He has had... 10 straight games in which he has put up at least 14 rebounds. That is absolutely insane. 10 straight games of at least 14 rebounds. 
The last time the man wound up having fewer than 12 rebounds in a game, you have to go all the way back to December 31st. They were playing against High Point. High Point at that point had Toby Smith as their coach. He wound up playing a limited minutes role. He wound up having, by the way, eight rebounds and a 7-8 shooting performance in 25 minutes when they wound up taking out poor lowly High Point by kind of 92-48. to 48. So really impressive what we're seeing out there. He rightfully is the odds-on favorite to be able to win the Wooden Award. So going to be interesting to be able to take a look at that moving forward and taking a look forward as well. We're going to be taking a look at a few college basketball games for this Thursday right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of The Lookout is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties. These like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes with two strengths, so that way you can easily find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch, and it is available in 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning that it's never been easier to find your Zinn. Head on over to zinncom slash find to be able to locate a store that is nearest you. That is zyn.com slash find. And warning, this is a product that contains nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive, is an addictive chemical as we're back here on the look at. It is myself, Greg Peterson, and we've got a whole lot of college basketball that's going to be coming up. On this Thursday, got a lot of games, some big, some small, some medium, and there's money to be made on all of them, whether it be the big ones that you're seeing with regards to ranked teams, number one Gonzaga, or if you wind up going out there to like 
the Northeastern Conference where you've got teams like Wagner and St. Francis of New York. Heck, that St. Francis of New York versus Bryant game, I actually see a nice edge in with regards to the Bryant Bulldogs. But with that said, how about if we lead off with a team that's become a little bit of an enigma and a team that has been very fascinating to take a look at. Memphis is going to be playing out at Temple, a Temple team that has been a little bit all over the place themselves with Memphis. Right now, you're finding them in most spots and right around the 11.5 to 12.5 point-ish favorite sort of territory. This is game number 781, 782 on the betting board, and you're finding the total at a 137.5. What I think is really intriguing with the total is that you got a Memphis team that they rank in the top 40 with regards to possessions per game. This is a team that they really do play up-tempo, and you do have a pair of teams that have been relatively solid on defense. Temple has been just completely decimated and plowed by injuries, but with that said, this is a team that they do rank 65th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. Now, you've been noticing that the defense has been faltering a little bit more with Temple in recent games. It's a case in which you've just got so many injuries on this team. Now, they do wind up getting back Damian Dunn. He's the guy that's able to get her done. He's able to give you 15.5 points per game. But ever since Khalif Battles went down with his season-ending injury, it's been a little bit touch-and-go in the backcourt for this Temple team. Ty Strickland, the transfer from Wisconsin, has also dealt with some ailments. Meanwhile, you've got a Memphis team that they just have been a little bit of a rudderless bunch this year. Now, the good news for Memphis is that they have been able to play significantly better at home than they have been on the road. In terms of a per 100 possession basis, they're giving up 10.7 points fewer per 100 at home than they are on the road. So that is going to be a big advantage. And you now have for Memphis a couple of reinforcements. You've had these guys back for the last few games, but you've got back Landers Nolly, a guy that's able to give you right around 10 points, three assists, solid three point shooter. DeAndre Williams, ever since he's come back, he has been absolutely magnificent. You could tell that DeAndre Williams was not necessarily himself at the beginning of the year which is a big reason why you do wind up seeing Memphis wind up struggling no doubt they wind up struggling when he was out of the fold as well but when it comes to DeAndre Williams this is someone that from three-point range thus far this season shooting right around 38 to 39 percent if you looked at it like I think even three weeks ago he was shooting more in the neighborhood about 24 to 25 percent from three-point range a guy that for his career as a six foot nine little bit of a combo player in his time at both Evansville along with at Memphis, been able to shoot about 45% from three-point range coming into the season. But you take a look at what he's been able to do recently, and certainly has been rock solid, as you just wind up taking into account the games that he's played ever since December 14th. That was a big one that the team wound up having against Alabama, and he's really been able to come out and has been able to shoot it well from three-point range. And on top of that, just been able to put up big numbers, 11 points, been able to give you six half boards, three assists, two steals, while shooting in this time span, 70% from three-point range. Yeah, that is pretty darn solid right there. And I do think the Temple could have just a little bit of a tough time holding up down low. You do have a guy like a Nick Jordian who's able to give you six rebounds per game. Sage Tolbert, whenever he's been out there, has been relatively okay. But I do think that this is going to be a Temple team that is going to be up against it. They're also dealing with injuries to guys like Jack Forrester. So I do think that Memphis... All of a sudden, does have a little bit of value. They're a team that I've been fading quite a bit this season, but I'm just willing to lay up to 12 and a half here. When it comes to Memphis, I also did mind up saying my total at a 144 and a half, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over there as well. When it comes to good mid-majors, this is one of the better ones in all of college basketball and team that you do want to be taking note of as we go 797, 798 on the betting board. UAB, the Blazers. They're going to be hitting the road 
They're going to be playing against UT San Antonio. Let's give our Ode to Roadrunners meet me for UTSA as they find themselves a 15-point underdog in your total on this game. They're between 146.5 and 147.5. With UTSA, it's been a team that's been not so good so far this year. You take a look at them in terms of both offensive and defensive efficiency. They have been leaving a whole lot to be desired with regards to both categories. As you've got a Texas San Antonio team that, with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, they rank 299th in the country, but I will say this. UTSA actually has some of the most demonstrative home and road splits that you're going to find in all of college basketball. When it comes to points allowed on a per 100 possession basis, this is a team that they're giving up right around 14.5 points per 100 fewer at home than they are on the road. And this is a UAB team that last year they were third in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. That's gone up a little bit more. That is now 32. And in, on a per 100 possession basis on the road, they're giving up up 13.8 points more per 100 whenever they are on the road rather than at home as well. So you've got a pair of teams that they just perform significantly better when they're in their friendly confines rather than when they are on the road now with UAB. What is big for this team is that they rank in the top 10 in all of college basketball and turnovers force on a per possession basis. You've got a guy in Jordan Walker who's really been able to do a solid job with 19 points per game. You've also got a seven-footer in Trey Jamison. Why is he coming in from Clemson? He's been able to give you a block and a half per contest. But Du Duyang, who has been the top scorer for UTSA, wanted missing a couple games. He is back in the fold. He's able to give you 15 and a half points per game. Now, Jordan Ivy Curry has also returned. He's one of the main three-point shooters for a UTSA team that they're only shooting about 29% for three-point range, so they can use all the outside shooting humanly possible for them. But he has scored as many points as myself in the last two games that he's played in, so he clearly does not look to be 100%. But you do have Jacob Germany, guy that's able to give you seven boards, 14 points per game. I don't know if he's going to be able to quite match up with guys like K.J. Buffett and company. Andy Kennedy, the former coach of Ole Miss, has really been able to do a solid job with his UAB team. And UAB, despite the fact that they are one of the more efficient defenses in all of college basketball, you're going to notice that they are right now 16-9 and nine to the over as well. So 16 overs, 9 unders, and a big reason why. In terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, UAB 22nd in all of college basketball. So they've been able to do a relatively solid job there. I do think, though, that this is going to be a, a game which is going to be a little bit more low-scoring. It's a UAB team that has been able to bump up their tempo a little bit more this season. With regards to possessions per game, this is a team that right now they're finding themselves right around 75th in all of college basketball. You've got a Texas San Antonio team that typically they were a little bit more up-tempo, but you did wind up seeing a lot of their pieces that made them successful in past years wind up leaving the program for this season, so... As a result, they're more around 125, 130-ish, so they've been playing a little bit slower. It's been tough for UTSA to be able to put the ball in the basket in general, so I'm going to be taking a look at an under in the spot. With UAB, do I think that they get the job done? Yes, but I do think that we are starting to see these home underdogs get a little bit overvalued. I do think that things are getting a little bit inflated because I ran through it in the first segment. Home underdogs just have not been able to get it done recently. I do think that this is a line in which it is a little bit good for this UTSA team. I wound up setting it at a 14 and a half personally. The max IB will delay for UAB. So 15 plus will take it here with UT San Antonio. Another game that I think is going to be relatively intriguing as what we're going to be getting on Thursday is also out there in Conference USA. Louisiana Tech and Rice. Rice is finding themselves as an underdog 
in most places right around a four and a half and this is 787 788 on the betting board and when it comes to your total you're going to be finding it in the mid 150s so you're finding it anywhere between 152 and 153 and i do think that this is a little bit too high with the total because first time these two teams wound up playing it was 82-63. Louisiana Tech was able to get the win. They were able to get the cover in that game. Now, Rice wound up going 4 of 25 from three-point range in that first matchup. They've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Quincy Oliveri. Some of these men will give you right around 10.6 rebounds per game. But what we've also noticed is that Max Fiedler, 6 for 10 combo player, that's able to give you right around 9.7 half boards and three assists per game. He does perform better at home than on the road. You've got a pair of guys, Carl Pierre, Travis Evie, these two guys combined to shoot about 39% from three-point range. They've been able to give you a combined 29 points per game. Now, Louisiana Tech, it's a team that they've got Kenny Lofton. I always call him Big Sexy because he always looks like Bartolo Colon. He's been able to do a solid job down low. 16 points, 10 boards. I do ultimately think that Louisiana Tech is going to be able to get the job done in this spot, but I take a look at it, and I could only wind up setting them as a four-point favorite. So being able to get four and a half, even now five to five and a half, in this spot i'm going to be taking a look at the points with rice i do think that they're a home underdog that's going to be able to come through speaking of being able to come through claudia belafado she does a terrific job over there at WinBet. she's going to be joining me next taking a look at some nhl right here on the look at on vsin the sports betting network this is the look ahead on vsin the sports betting network Need more college hoops insights? Check out the podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops. This person by the name of Greg Pearson I've never heard of will look at every single major and some of the minor college basketball games. Don't, it's not some of, it's all minor college basketball games for the upcoming schedule to find betting opportunities. Greg has an opinion on every single college hoops game of the season and on this podcast, he provides his unique insights and those games that have solid betting opportunities Download Coast to Coast Hoops now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, catch up on every single vcin show as well as it is the look at with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, and a podcast that's going to be dropping at midnight Pacific time. For those of you guys that love Northeast college basketball, for those of you guys that love the Southland, I've got you guys covered there. And for those of you guys that love the NHL, Claudia Belafato has you covered. She's been doing a great job of being able to take a look at the board. She does great work over there at Win Sports, and it is great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think it was a year ago we were talking college hoop, so I'm happy to talk some uh, puck with you. Absolutely. And Claudia, just first things first, before we wind up diving into the games for Thursday, who have been maybe a team or two that you've been taking a look at and you've been having either great success betting on or fading? Yeah, so if we're looking at like the past three weeks, I've had five bets on the Leafs. It's only failed me once, so I've made a good amount of money on them. But as you know, as every better knows, we lean into that recency bias a bit. So I had the first period puck line against the Canadians on Monday. And I have to say, when they were down nothing to five in the second, I told myself, I said, all right, and I did this a lot during the football season. There was a certain point in the game where I'm like, maybe I'm not going to bet them for a little bit until I get one or two more games under my belt where I feel comfortable with them. So I'm actually fading them tomorrow. We'll see how that goes for me. And then speaking of the Canadians, they're sort of the team that I was fading, but now I'm keeping an eye on them. Again, I don't want to play too much into the recency bias, but whatever Martin St. Louis is doing over there, he's doing something right. (laughs) 
four wins in a row, not quite looking like the worst offense in the league right now, which, you know, when I'm handicapping these games, you keep wanting to say, you know, they're the worst offense in the league. They have the least goals per game. That's true. But if you've seen what they've been doing lately, eight wins in 45 games before St. Louis took over now, four wins in just seven. So again, don't want to overreact, but I think betting wise, they are a team to sort of keep your eyes on. And it's hard to be able to keep things in line when it comes to this team because they wound up having a seven-game homestand. They wound up sweeping all seven games of it. Now you've got Calgary on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Vancouver Canucks, as we're seeing it right now in a lot of spots, finding it anywhere between minus 160 to minus 170 on the money line for the Calgary Flames. How do you wind up taking a look at this team right now? Because I think I am very fair in saying they're right now the hottest team in the NHL, but... Do you want to maybe be trying to sell high on them or do you just want to keep riding the streak? I think, again, like you said, they're one of the hottest teams right now. I think there's great value if you're looking at puck line with them at just minus 105, regulation at minus 105, team total maybe three and a half if you want plus money at plus 125. I don't think they're stopping anytime soon. And I understand the goals aren't going to come easy, especially if they're facing Thatcher Demko and Net. He's a top 20 goalie, 7.6 goal save above expected. The team itself with the Canucks allowing just under three goals a game. But I see the Flames with an edge, not just on offense, but on defense. They're number one in terms of goals allowed per game, third in shots per game. They're expected to go with Jacob Markstrom in net. Again, with all of these games, if the goalie's not confirmed, these are sort of assumptions we're making. But Markstrom in his last nine starts, he's 8-0, left one one of the games with injury. 9.45 save percentage, third best in the league. So it is a good matchup, but I think to get the Flames at close to even money or plus money in, in any of these bets, I'm taking it. So I'll probably take a puck line and team total at plus 125. Yeah, it's been really interesting to take a look at this Calgary Flames team. They've been able to get as hot as lava recently, and I know that this team is a little bit near and dear to your heart. I know that you've spent some time out there in Boston and you've got the Bruins on Thursday hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against the Seattle Kraken. The Kraken, well, they're finding themselves anywhere between about a plus 180 to a plus 190 underdog. And you're finding this total at a goal line of six. And with the under on six, you're finding it anywhere between about minus 115, seeing a lot of minus 120 out there as well for the under and how do you wind up gauging this Boston team? Because no doubt they're better than the Seattle Kraken, but having to go from east to west, never necessarily an easy task. Yeah, a factor to certainly uh, take into consideration, but I've made some money, a good amount of money fading the Kraken so far. So uh, I'm going to roll with it here, especially looking at the goalie matchups. You know, their top goalie, the Kraken, is Philip Grubauer who is the worst goalie in hockey right now in terms of goals saved above expected a negative 28.2. And that's one stat I look at a lot when I'm handicapping these games, goals saved above expected negative 28 to negative 28.2 is a lot. He's allowed 114 goals in 39 games. So I'm likely to go Bruins team total here. They haven't been scoring a ton recently, but they just put up five against the avalanche without Marshawn. He is expected to be back in this game. So I'm going to look to regulation, maybe some shot props. Pasta has been having a lot of volume. I know it's a little different with Marsha coming back. He's going to be on the second line in this game, but he leads the team in shots, especially the past few games. He had eight on Monday against Colorado. He's averaging just under four and a half shots in the last eight games. So I think you have a few different shot prop opportunities as well as a Bruins team total there. Yeah, I do think that it's going to be really interesting to see how the Bruins are able to get on the board in this one because, well, the Seattle Kraken. It's 
been a little bit of a rough go of it for them. And it's been a little bit of a rough go of it for the Columbus Blue Jackets as well. Being someone that I do a lot of baseball handicapping, when it comes to really chalky lines like this, you do have to get creative if you want to try to be able to make some money on these games because right now you're fighting the Florida Panthers as right around a minus 380 to a minus 390 favorite. <laughs> Needless to say, the money line on this one might be a little bit less of an option. Seeing the highest total on the board at 6.5 with the juice on the over between like minus 130 to minus 135. Mm -hmm. So that tells you where things are at right there. How do you wind up gauging a situation like this where you just got a big giant jockey money line and a team in the Columbus Blue Jackets? Well, it's an ugly dog. Yeah, Greg, this game screams over, and that's the reason we're seeing the highest total on the board. The Jackets, yes, they're not the greatest team, but they've won three straight. You know, they're averaging 4.6 goals a game. Their weakness, for sure, no doubt, is on defense. It's in that they're allowing the second most goals a game. But if you take that into consideration with Florida's offense, also on fire, averaging 4.5 in the last 10, we're seeing this total inch towards seven. If you can get the seven at plus money around plus 110, I think I saw it. I'm probably going to play that. I'd also go with the Jackets team total over two and a half. That's at plus 105. So I'm going to wait to see the goalies, but I do think that those are two options uh, that I'll probably play tomorrow. It's always interesting taking a look at very, very chalky money line games like this one. This one, it is very much a little bit of a tighter line as you've got the Capitals and the Rangers. Really the tightest line that we're seeing out there on the board with the Rangers right around a minus 120, minus 125-ish favorite, and your total mm -hmm. is six, juice a little bit to the under. I think this is an intriguing game because you've got a capital team that they do have quite a few aging superstars, but at the same time, they've been able to have their moments this year with the Rangers. Everyone always loves to get behind the Rangers. They always want to think that this is a year for the New, for the New York Rangers. <laughs> it typically has not been the year for the New York Rangers, but how do you wind up gauging this one? Because they've actually had a relatively decent year to this point. Yeah, they're fun to cheer for. And honestly, I, I'm torn here. The Caps have been high scoring lately, averaging almost four in the last nine. Rangers not as hot, but they're going to have an edge in net if they go with Chesterson. They've had the edge in net for sure with him. He's won four of the last five. He's 24-5-3 and three with the best save percentage in the league at 939. So as a whole, I think that they have the edge in net if they do go with him. I'm going to lean Rangers money line here. We should see some more production from the offense. If the caps go with Ilya Samsonov, he's a negative 2.9 goal save above expected. He ranks 56, 56 in save percentage. So this one, I sort of broke it down pretty simply. And I just looked at the two goalies again, not confirmed, but if they do go with those two, then I'm probably going to go with the Rangers money line here. Yep. I don't blame you there. I do think that they've got a nice advantage in that aspect. And then I know you've been talking about the Maple Leafs quite a bit as well, and they're going to be facing off against the Minnesota Wild. Wild are finding themselves right around a plus 135, 140-ish underdog with a total on this one with six. Not really a lot of juice on this. How do you wind up gauging this Toronto team? Because I think that they're an intriguing team. They're a team that they're able to put up quite a few goals, but at the same time, they can be a little bit feast or famine. I'm fading, Greg. I told you. I don't know if I'm going to regret it, but I'm going to fade him. I'm going to go with the Wild on the money line. I got him at plus 140. I played the total, team total for the Wild, two and a half at minus 150. We have almost identical records with these two teams, but they're both in a little bit of a slump. The Wild have lost three or four. Toronto has dropped three straight. I think the key for the Leafs when you watch them, and I have bet them a lot, so I've watched a lot of games in the past three weeks, is when their defense and their goaltending is good, they're winning games. 
They've only lost one game in the past month when they've allowed three or less goals. But the fact that they just gave up four to the Jackets, who we just talked about, five to the Canadians, who technically still are the worst offense in the NHL. I have faith that the Wild, who ranked third in goals a game, averaging 3.79, they can cover the team total. And I'd like them to win this game, too. I have faith. Hopefully, fading the least won't scare me wrong. I love it. At C. Belafato on Twitter. Claudia, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Claudia did absolutely terrific there on the NHL board. Coming up next, taking a look at some college basketball right here on the look at on Visa, the Sports Bang Network. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came to my room crying, tears, <laughs> crying. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports discussions centered around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. We've got CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now we've added Washington, D.C. to the mix. Subscribe to the CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. list goes on and on as it is a look at with myself, Greg Eves and Big thanks to Claudia Belafonte over there at WinBet. She joined me in the last segment. She did a great job of taking a look at the NHL cards. So that was absolutely terrific. Now we go from the ice to the hardwood as it's time to take a look at some college basketball as We've got a ranked battle out there in the Big Ten as you've got the Ohio State University. They are going to be hitting the road, and they're going to be facing off with Illinois. Illinois, in a lot of spots, you're going to be finding them right around a six-ish point favorite. And when it comes to the spot, if we wind up get, having these sixes winding up holding up, or if we wind up getting anything a little bit better, going to be taking a look at Ohio State. I want to saying them as a five-and-a-half point dog when it comes to my handicap. This is 829-830 on the betting board, by the way, and when it comes to this total, you're going to be getting it anywhere between a 140.5 and 141. But when it comes to this Illinois team, 
certainly you've got Kofi Coburn, one of the most immovable objects in all of college basketball. The guy that they will give you 21 points, 10 boards per game. But I do think that EJ Liddell is going to be a matchup relatively well in this game. Liddell, a guy that's able to give you 19 points, 7 boards, and he's been able to do a sensational job of being able to get nearly 3 blocks per game. And when it comes to this, when it comes to this Ohio State team, they've been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to launch your offense. And a big guy, and a big reason why is a guy by the name of Malachi Branham. Branham has been absolutely terrific for this team as in true road games, he's shooting over 45% from three with 14 and a half points per game. A guy that was a little bit of an afterthought to begin the year has really been able to come on strong for this team. You've also had Jamari Wheeler give you an assist to turnover ratio of three. Zed Key has been able to do a solid job. Eight and a half points, five and a half rebounds per game, shooting 58% from the floor. So the team has the goods to be able to provide a little bit of resistance here and for this Illinois bunch, what I think is really intriguing is the usage of Andre Corbello because Andre Corbello began the year. Many people thought that he might be a dark horse candidate for like all American. A lot of people thought that he was really going to be able to run the offense, have himself a really huge year. Well, he's become an afterthought at this point right now. Andre Corbello, he's coming out off the bench. He's being used for something like 15 minutes and you can argue that he very nearly torpedoed the team's game when he wound up coming in off the bench against Michigan State, wound up coming in for 13 minutes. Three points, four fouls, thanks for nothing on that one. He wound up having two assists to a turnover. Just has not been really good. He's not a great three-point shooter. He just doesn't necessarily do a lot for you. So the team, in return, they've looked at Jacob Granderson along with Alfonso Plummer. Both of these guys are guys that shoot between 38 and 40% from three-point range. Plummer shoots over 90% at the free line. Trent Frazier has been the guy to run the offense. Gives you a little bit over three assists per game. Doesn't turn the ball over a lot. I do like the way that this team has been able to operate with them, but if there is an issue that you've got with this Illinois team, you've got one guy other than Kofi Coburn that really gives you more than four rebounds per game. That'd be DeMonte Williams. Williams actually led all of college basketball in terms of qualifying players in three-point shooting percentage last year. Last season, he wound up shooting 54.7% from three. He's really looked to a little bit of a new role this year. Sort of been that ultimate Swiss Army knife glue guy. So he will give you 3.9 points, three assists, five and a half rebounds per game. Does a solid job there, but I do think that Ohio State is going to be able to hold up in this game. I think that they're going to be able to do a solid job down low. I like the points here with Ohio State. Now with Ohio State, it's a team that has been... We're going to call it what it is, a little bit less than efficient on defense. They're outside the top one arm with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis in Ohio State offense that is 21st in the country with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis. But got an Ohio State team that they've done a good job of being able to slow things down. Illinois has been relatively efficient on offense, but I think that with this matchup, you are going to be seeing both teams be able to buckle down a little bit more on defense. I'm taking a look at the under. I want to say my total at a 139.5. And I do like being able to get six plus here with Ohio State. When it comes to what you're able to get just with this college basketball Thursday as well, you've got a lot of different conferences that are going to be at the forefront. You've got the Big East that are going to be having one matchup. And, well, it's not necessarily the best teams that are going to be doing battle in this one. As You've got Georgetown, and they are going to be playing host to DePaul. DePaul is right now finding themselves in a lot of spots right around a three-ish point favorite. And, yeah, sign me up for DePaul in this one is the 795-796 on the betting board. DePaul wound up taking down Georgetown the first time these two teams wound up playing a few weeks ago. 
That was without Javon Freeman Liberty by a count of 82 to 74. Ironically enough, the spread throughout much of the day on that one was eight, but when it comes to Georgetown, there's just really no backing this team at this point. By the way, total on this game in between 146.5 and 147. I'm going to be taking a look at the under because ever since he wound up having that Javon Freeman Liberty injury, it's been a DePaul team that has really been looking to play significantly slower. Now, even with Javon Freeman Liberty back in the fold last few games, they have still been looking to that little bit more slow, controlled style. So I think that that's important to be able to take note of in this game. And when it comes to David Jones, the gentleman for DePaul was able to do a solid job down low with 14 points and seven rebounds for him. He had the first triple-double in DePaul basketball history. Last time these two teams wanted to playing as well. You do take a look at Georgetown. They shoot as a collective about 35% from three-point range. Donald Carey, Kata, and Rice, these two guys combined to shoot about 40% from distance. They're able to give you uh, between them about 30 points per game between the both of them. So they've been able to do a relatively solid job. You do have Amino Muhammad, who's been able to give you right around eight boards per game as well. But when it comes to this Georgetown team, they're just absolutely putrid on defense. In terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, they rank outside the top 260. It has been really terrible to take a look at him. And then when it comes to just this Georgetown team in general, they're not necessarily the world's worst team on the glass, but... You would expect them to be a little bit better with some of the guys that they have. They wind up bringing in Ryan Matumbo. He just hasn't been able to develop this year. I mentioned Amino Muhammad. He's been able to do a relatively solid job. They're growing up his uh, DePaul team, by the way. It's actually in the top one with regards to rebound rate, so they've been able to hold their own there. But when it comes to the Georgetown team, they just haven't necessarily been able to get the job done, whether it be at home or on the road. If you've taken the money line in all of Georgetown's 15 Big East games, guess what? You have lost all 15 of them. It has been just remarkable to watch this Georgetown team go straight down the tubes. You thought that they were building a little bit of upward momentum when they wound up winning the Big East tournament. They get just completely drubbed in the NCAA tournament. And ever since then, Georgetown has been the laughing stock of pretty much Power 5 programs. I think that that's going to continue on here. DePaul is a little bit of an improved team. It's not like DePaul is going to be fighting for an NCAA tournament berth or anything like that, but I do think that DePaul should be able to get the job done. I also do mind saying the total at a 145. You've seen Georgetown really have a little bit of a rougher time of things recently on offense. This is a team that, with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, has actually been a halfway decent offense throughout the entirety of the season. They have been ranking right around, I would say, about 230th with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, but that number has been going down further and further and further as the season has went along. So it's just a Georgetown team that it looks like they are getting a little bit tired. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I am willing to lay it here with DePaul. When it comes to the other Big Ten game they're going to be having, that's going to be a little bit earlier in the night. That's going to be 761-762 Indiana. They're going to be playing out some Maryland. Maryland is finding themselves as a pretty sizable underdog here. I would consider it to be mid-range, anywhere between six and six and a half points is what you're laying with Indiana. And your total is anywhere between 134 and a half and 135 and a half. I do mind saying this a little at 133 and a half. You've got an Indiana team that really been able to step up to the plate when it comes to their defense. When it comes to offense, they just have not been able to put the ball in the basket this year. You were expecting a whole heck of a lot more out of this backcourt as you've got an Indiana team that ranks outside the top 150 with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis. And when it comes to Maryland, they themselves have left a lot on the table as well. But I will say this about Maryland. Maryland is actually scoring 3.4 more points per 100 possessions basis on the road rather than at home. You don't find that very often, but Maryland has actually been a very solid team 
whenever they've gotten away from College Park. They're a team that they don't necessarily do the world's greatest job on the glass, but you do have Dante Scott, Juan Kudiswab. These two guys are able to combine for about 12 rebounds per game. Now, one thing that Indiana is able to do very well, that's hit the glass. You've got Race Thompson along Trace Jackson Davis. These two guys do a terrific job with having Trace Jackson Davis give you 18 points, 8 boards, 2.5 blocks per game. That is very solid. But Thompson, he goes a little bit overlooked because he is in the shadow of Trace Jackson Davis. He's been able to give you right around 7 boards per game. The question now is, what is Indiana going to be able to get with regards to three-point shooting, free-throw shooting, and it's not necessarily too great. They've cut down on the turnovers, but they just haven't necessarily been very effective in general. I do think that that's going to allow Maryland with their backcourt of Fats Russell coupled with Eric Ayala, who combined for 29 points per game, to be able to hold in there. You tell that Danny Manning is coaching to try to be able to get a future opportunity. So I do think that Maryland going to be able to give you another spirited effort. I think they get their third straight cover. So looking at the points with Maryland, and I'm going to be taking a look at the total under, and we're going to be talking a lot more college basketball in our number two of the look at. That is coming up next right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.